Hi there, I'm Jocelyn Seymour, teacher, former school leader, author and all-round cheerleader for Teachers Everywhere. Learning to read and write is a matter of social justice. Every child deserves to learn through evidence-informed practices and every teacher deserves to be fully supported to make that happen. The Structured Literacy Podcast goes beyond the program to get to the heart of what it's really like to build a structured approach to literacy across a school. Let's go. Hello everyone, it's Jocelyn here coming to you from the lands of the Palawa people here in gorgeous Tasmania. Today we are going to talk morphology. Now this is a bit of a monster episode and I'm so pleased to be sharing this information with you. Morphology is all about the smallest units of meaning in words. And while, of course, morphology itself is not new, our understanding of it and the place that it has in our classrooms might be very new to us. Some people think that morphology should be taught from day one of foundation. They tend to think that people should only be exploring words and phoneme graphing correspondences through the exploration of morphology and that phonics shouldn't be taught in a systematic, structured way as we do in systematic synthetic phonics. Other people think that morphology should not be touched until after students have the full alphabetic code under their belt. And I tend to not be quite in alignment with either of these ideas. Rather, I think that we can consider the role of phonics and morphology from the perspective of what students need at different points in their reading and spelling development. English is a morphophonemic language, and that means that it is as influenced by morphemes as it is by graphemes or phonics. If we only teach students about phonics, we're only giving them a small part of the picture about how our language works. But We can't teach all of phonics and all of morphology at once. That does not fit with our structured literacy principle of starting things simply and building complexity over time. To get us started, I'm going to run through some morphology basics for those of us who are still building our understanding of this. And if that's you, please do not think that somehow you are not a good teacher or you're not committed or that if you were cleverer, that somehow you would magically know all of this. We have not been taught about morphology at university. We have not very often been taught this at school. And other than a basic understanding of prefixes and suffixes, we're really not given information. So thank you for listening and for building your knowledge. If you are pretty familiar with the concepts around morphology, just stick with me because we'll be working through this and then answering some questions about when and what it might look like. I've mentioned that a morpheme is the smallest unit of meaning in a word. Bases are morphemes. The base is that main part of the word that we build upon. There are two sorts of bases. A free base can exist on its own. The word help is a free base, but a bound base must be connected to a prefix or a suffix. And an example of this is cred. To the base, whether it be a free base or a bound base, we can add prefixes and suffixes. Sometimes there are more than one prefix. Sometimes there's more than one suffix. Different words have different complexities. So if we take the base word help, we can add the prefix un and the suffix full, and we get the adjective unhelpful. Un meaning not, full meaning full of, so not very full of help if we want to think about it like that. In the word incredible, we have the base cred, the prefix in, and the suffix ibble. 
So when we think about it, it's not able to be believed. Not all words are easily understood by examining the meanings of their morphemes. And there are different levels of transparency in different words. Some words are said to be fully transparent. Unhelpful is an example of this when we think about the meaning of the affixes or those meaningful parts. Unmeaning not, full meaning full and help. We can draw a clear line of sight from the meanings of the morphemes to the word's definition or how it's used. But if we take the word incredible, thinking about it from a student's perspective, the meaning of those morphemes is quite different from the way they use the word in everyday speech. The students may know incredible to mean something like very good or exceptional, and they'll say, oh, that meal was incredible or the show was incredible. That's quite different from not able to be believed in its literal sense. So if you're having some trouble at times, finding that direct line of sight from the meaning of the morpheme to the definition, know that you're not alone. Some words are simply opaque. The meaning of all of this and the connections have been lost through history. And if not lost, they're not immediately apparent to us. It's really important to know that children come to school with a well-developed ability to use morphemes in their speech. These morphological skills are already in existence for them. They use various forms of words like play, playing, played, and they combine word parts in fun ways. So they might say something like, he was running quicklier. Now that's not a correct word in that we can find it in the dictionary, but you can see how this child's taken quick, quickly, quicker, and put them together and made quicklier. And we often have a chuckle about this, but what it shows us is that children have the capacity to manipulate morphemes to create and articulate meaning. Now, it used to be believed that morphology instruction needed to wait. However, more recent viewpoints suggest that morphology and phonics should be taught alongside each other, and that's where I sit on this issue. In my words, the ratio of phonics to morphology shifts as the students move through various grades and various points in their reading development. In the foundation year, the major focus of instruction is absolutely on developing fluency and automaticity with that basic code. We want students blending and segmenting confidently with words and being able to sound out unknown words with four and five phonemes. Once they can do this, we can very gently start to introduce morphemes into the lesson. We can add the suffix s to indicate singular present tense so we can take play and turn it into plays. Now, what you'll notice here when we're adding this S is that different words have a different sound associated with that S. So the word cats ends in the sound S, but plays ends in the sound Z. Here's where morphology comes into play. It's important to remember that pronunciation may change, but spelling and meaning remain consistent. When we teach children about this variability, we set them up for success to be able to move into more independent self-teaching as they get older. This is a good thing. If we take it step by step, if we start simple and work up to complex, we're not going to confuse them. We're actually going to equip them with the knowledge that they need. But remember, we can't give this knowledge to them all at once. Morphology helps us understand the parts of how words work that phonics can't. So just think about that. Where does morphology come in? It comes in when phonics stops explaining the why. 
Now we can introduce ing and un once students know these phoneme grapheme correspondences and they can blend words with four or five phonemes. And it's entirely reasonable that you'll be able to introduce these for many children. In year one, we're still focusing on the basic code and introducing the complex code. But if we are going to get children to multisyllable words and take them beyond compound words like sunshine, morphology is a part of that picture. There are actually quite a number of morphemes that can take our early year students a very long way in being able to read a wide range of texts and understand a wide range of vocabulary. These are common prefixes and suffixes such as er, as in to draw a comparison. We have fast, fast er. Er can also mean one who does, farm, farm er. We can have est, which is that superlative, meaning the most of, past tense ed. We can put Y on the end of words to create adjectives and LY to create adverbs. There's a small range of prefixes and suffixes, and in the show notes, you'll find a document called A Suggestion of Morphology Content for All Grades. This is a document I've put together based on a few different things, and one of them is what the research studies suggest in terms of the morphemes that have the greatest utility for students in the primary grades. There are many, many morphemes, and we aren't going to teach them all. Language is an unconstrained skill and knowledge. It will continue to develop all the way through a student's life. So it's not the same as phonics in that we have a scope and sequence and we know that we start here at point one and we end here at point five. We get it all in and we move on. Language is not like that, which is why it can feel rather messy. Morphology is meaning-based. It's language-based, so it doesn't work the same way in that in year three, term three on Thursday, we're going to be teaching this thing. And in fact, I don't like working that way with anything because instruction should be about students, not the person who wrote your program. But the document you'll find has suggestions based on what's been recommended I've also looked at the Australian curriculum because it actually has some things to share with us about what's expected. So in year two, students are expected to build morphemic word families using knowledge of prefix and suffixes. So that means they can create a list of words and we're looking here at morphemic word families, not phonics word families. So they can start with the word play. They add ED for played. They add the S for plays. They can add RE for replay and you get the idea. In year three, students need to understand how to apply knowledge of common base words, prefixes, suffixes, and generalizations. We used to call them rules. Now they're referred to as generalizations, and that's just a little more accurate and useful. They need to be able to read and comprehend new multi-morphemic words, so words with multiple morphemes. They need to take their understanding of the word parts and put them together and figure out or at least have a really good guess from the words and their knowledge and the context of the sentence, what a word might mean, and our expectations increase from there. In year four, we're looking at word origins. Again, we're building prefixes and suffixes. And when we get to year five and six, we're working with Latin bases and Greek combining forms, and we're taking that knowledge even further. You might be thinking, Jocelyn, That all sounds nice, and you've just used a whole lot of big words that I've heard of, but I couldn't tell you how to plan for teaching with them. And I just want to say, please don't worry, we've got you covered. We have just released Spelling Success in Action 1, Getting Started with Morphology and Spelling Conventions for pre-order. And by the time you're listening to this, it'll be even closer to the actual postage date for those people who have pre-ordered. 
Over the next couple of months, we're going to release Spelling Success in Action 2 and 3, which will cover you for the entire primary school. Spelling Success in Action 1 is a supplementary resource for early years teachers, regardless of what phonics program you're using. It will not tread on the toes of your phonics instruction, I promise. If you are using Reading Success in Action 3, where we go deep with alternate spellings across those 27 units of the book, Spelling Success in Action 1 will give you specific guidance and exact lesson information to teach the spelling morphology detours that are suggested with each unit. And if you are a year three to six or secondary teacher who knows that your students do not know about the doubling rule and other suffixing conventions, and you want them to have some strong foundations and the basics of morphology before you dive into the good stuff in air quotes, then spelling success in action one is great for you too. And there is nothing babyish about any of this. It works for all ages. If you want to build some phonics knowledge alongside that because your kiddies have reached you in year three to six or secondary and they don't have the foundational skills and knowledge they need, then Spelling Success in Action 1 combined with Reading Success in Action 3 is going to help you fix up that wobbly phonics and teach age-appropriate morphology at the same time. In the meantime, if you're a resource room member, you already have access to morphology-based spelling lessons. So go and have a look at the morphology and spelling tab, and you'll find a whole range of morphology lessons and resources for all grades of the primary school. Whether you are using what we have for you or you're getting this from somewhere else, the most important thing is that you're teaching these important concepts to students. If we can be there to support you, then that makes me really happy. But the most important thing is that we're equipping children with the knowledge and skill they need to be strong readers and spellers, and that you are able to teach without spending hours and hours and hours planning and feeling really stressed and overwhelmed. We consider it our job to help you teach well so you can also have a life at the same time. Morphology instruction is to an upper primary teacher what phonics is to an early years teacher. The challenge comes about for upper primary teachers when students have gotten to you and they don't have the phonics done and dusted in a solid way and they've not learned it to automaticity so that they can just draw it out for reading and spelling. We also have another podcast episode all around your action plan for upper primary students with wobbly phonics, so you might like to have a listen I want to talk a little bit about research and about why morphology is considered to be so important. I'm not asking you to take my word for it. I'm just going to outline a few basics of some research papers that can really help us understand why morphology is so critical in building out our students' understandings. I'm looking at a paper published by Amanda Goodwin and colleagues from 2010, and it's a meta-analysis of morphological interventions. Effects on Literacy, Achievement of Children with Literacy Difficulties. And I'm just going to paraphrase the abstract for you. Basically, they took 17 independent studies and investigated the effect of morphological interventions on literacy outcomes for students with literacy difficulties. Much of the research that I've found around this is centered on interventions. And so that's, I think, kind of a good thing. Because I like to focus all of our classroom instruction on creating an inclusive environment. That means that we are able to reach every child as well as we possibly can. 
We're not teaching just to the middle or teaching to the bottom or teaching to the top. We're creating a learning environment that everyone can thrive in. So when we look at these intervention trials and studies, we can know that what we're doing in the classroom is actually really good for our kids with difficulty, as well as being really handy for everyone else as well. Overall, morphological instruction showed a significant improvement on literacy achievement. Specifically, its effect was significant on several literacy outcomes such as phonological awareness, morphological awareness, vocabulary, reading comprehension, and spelling. Talk about bang for your buck. Now, those are my words, not directly from the paper. That's just me saying, oh my goodness, we are able to positively impact so many areas of literacy with something that is just so simple. This paper says that morphological instruction was particularly effective for children with reading, learning, or speech and language disabilities, English language learners, and struggling readers, suggesting the possibility that morphological instruction can remediate phonological processing challenges. I've had speeches sit in on my training sessions around morphology, and the comments are that what they are seeing is a language intervention program delivered whole class. And that makes me really happy because we know there is simply not enough time or money to support students who need extra. So my mission is to make tier one instruction as strong as humanly possible. It's so exciting because we always have that question, how do we positively impact phonological and phonemic awareness in older students? Well, morphology instruction appears to be a part of the picture there. And I think that comes about because there's so much word breaking up and word constructing that we're taking bits off and we're putting them back together and we're understanding that word parts can be manipulated. Another article that I'll read to you from is called Morphological Awareness Intervention in School-Aged Children with Language and Literacy Deficits, a case study by Julie A. Walter and Laura Green. This article unpacks several aspects of morphology, but one of the things that they talk about is linking morphological awareness to an academic context. And so we don't want morphology instruction to be a one and done or something we do completely in isolation. That's why Spelling Success in Action 1 is intended to be connected with your phonics instruction. So children are seeing these concepts and using them across contexts. And in Spelling Success in Action 2 and 3, which are in production at the moment, you will find 150 word reading passages for every morpheme so that you can have children using these morphemes in real context. There's also deep reading at sentence level led by the teacher. And we encourage you to think about how you can connect morphology instruction with other areas of the curriculum. Back to the paper. It says, students need to see the applicability of their new morphological skills in everyday situations. Students can be taught to identify morphologically complex words in class literature, spelling assignments, and content area textbooks, and then use their morphological knowledge and detective skills to discern meaning. That last bit was just me. That's what the curriculum is asking. So morphology instruction is absolutely supported by the national curriculum. And what the curriculum is asking students to do is, into the upper primary years, be able to take their knowledge of word parts and have a really good guess at what a word means. And they give an example here. So context or the clues in the text that help us figure out meaning and morphology reasoning by analogy can be used to sort out the meaning of an unknown word. 
For example, if you know what piglet means, as in little pig, then when you see the word owlet, you can have a go at understanding what that might mean. So if we know that the let means something small and a piglet is a small pig, we can have a good guess that an owlet is a small owl. When we can help students understand analogy, we can help them find and recognize patterns and use those patterns to extend their learning across contexts. This is really exciting because it means that every lesson can be a language lesson. So if you're a specialist teacher or you support specialist teachers in your school, all of these meaning building opportunities can be present in every single lesson, even, dare I say it, in PE. One last article that I'd like to bring your attention to is by Joanne Carlyle, and this review of research is called Effects of Instruction in Morphological Awareness on Literacy Achievement and Integrative Review. In this review, they looked at 16 studies that met a certain set of criteria and they found that results indicated that morphological awareness has the potential to contribute to students' literacy development across a number of areas. That is phonology, orthography, which is the spelling, and word meanings. Most notably, this occurs when instruction deepens students' understanding of the morphemic structure, spelling, and meaning of written words. So morphology is not just about having a spelling list. We derive meaning when we put words into context. It's pretty difficult to have a conversation about the difference between project and project if we don't have any sentences and we don't have any context around what we're asking children to think about. So again, this is why we have in our Spelling Success in Action resources for you, such a heavy emphasis on sentence level and unpacking sentences and text level with all of this new content. In this 2010 analysis of morphological intervention, Carlisle and colleagues found that effective instruction included the following, drawing students' attention to the internal structure of the word, that is, breaking words apart into their morphemes, teaching the meanings of prefixes and suffixes, helping students to understand how morphemes contributed to the word's meaning or grammatical form. Further, it is suggested that instruction in affixes on their own affixes are parts of the words in morphemes, does not yield long-term results. So really only looking at the prefixes and suffixes and bases just by themselves as a one-off doesn't get it done. Rather, it is the repeated exposure to the use of an affix that help children embed them into long-term memory. Language must be used in order to embed it into long-term memory, and that's from a separate paper. So again, in Spelling Success in Action, we are so conscious of the importance of meaning and context in learning these language-related concepts. It's not just about saying, on Mondays, we're going to have a spelling list and it will all contain this particular prefix or suffix or base, and then you'll go home and practice those words and we'll have a test on Friday. It's not about saying that learning is done, that we finished that week of instruction. We are going to take those words and we're going to use them in our review for space practice and interleave practice, as is recommended, for many, many weeks to come. And when we have children be word detectives and we're reading a rich text together and somebody notices a word that has a morphine we've studied, well, there's an opportunity to notice that word and say, oh, we've studied that base. We've studied that suffix. That will help us understand what this word means. 
It's about helping children understand how to apply their knowledge to understand texts and to spell unfamiliar words. In the early years, this is pretty light touch. It's embedded in lessons. In year two, if the children are going really well with the alphabetic code and they're really starting to consolidate and move on and their fluency with reading is developing, then we can start to look at some suffixing conventions. We're not having little people in the early years study a four-day low-variance sequence on morphology. We want their focus to be on really building foundational skills with a focus on phonics, but we can help them build the bridge to multisyllable words with some effective, efficient morphology instruction. In the upper primary, there's a huge meaning focus. For years three to six and beyond, morphology sits in the top of the rope. Hollis Scarborough has said this, and she was the one who created the rope. I watched a presentation and she talked about that most of morphology will sit in the top of the rope with all of those language things there. There are some inflectional suffixes like past tense ED and plural S that sit in the bottom around decoding, but the rest of it is about language and meaning. That's what we want to give to our students. We want to help them be successful in spelling, but we also want to positively impact all of the other things as well. That's it from me for this week. I hope that this has helped give you a bit of background knowledge about why we are including morphology in our literacy block. Today, we've talked about when we might introduce it, what instruction might look like, and why it's so important as evidenced by the research. But please know that you do not have to put all of this together yourself. That's our job. We are the ones who are here to help you. So Spelling Success in Action, number one, is available for pre-order right now. We'll begin to post pre-orders from May the 8th. So if you're listening after that time, you can go to www.jocelynseemereducation.com, click the tab that says Spelling Success, and you'll be able to get your copy sent out to you. I wish you an absolutely marvellous week ahead. Please know that you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a linguist. You don't have to be a speechy in order to teach this well. We are here to help. Have a fantastic week, everyone, and I'll see you in our next episode. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. For more information about resourcing and professional learning to support you in your structured literacy journey, visit www.jocelynseemereducation.com.